I was downwind from this burping, farting, shitting camel train. Yep, horrible. And also they're grumpy bastards. This is the Travel Freedom Podcast. I'm Tomo. And I'm Megzi. And it's time to collect your ticket to world travel and a location-independent lifestyle. Every Monday we talk travel and money. Ultimate travel hacking tips and destination advice recorded on location. We also interview digital entrepreneurs who reveal the methods to creating a location-independent online income. So subscribe on iTunes now and discover travel freedom for yourself with the Travel Freedom Podcast. This is Travel Mondays, episode 057. Well, in this episode, we are taking a three-day, two-night camel trek from Mazuga in Morocco right into the Sahara Desert and out again, because otherwise we wouldn't have made it back to record this podcast. That is true. We decided to ride the most uncomfortable form of transport ever devised by mankind. Yeah, let's just say there is no way to be comfortable on a camel. (laughs) It's just not possible. We did an hour and a half yesterday and my butt is killing me. We also eat Berber pizza cooked directly on hot coals. Warning, there will not be any cheese featured in this episode or pizza. What? I know. I know. It's very confusing, but it's true. And we get up at 6 a.m. <laughs> what? <laughs> no cheese on 6 a.m. waking up. What? But um, That can't have been us. We've had some pretty poor luck with sunrises in the past. So will this be the best one of our travels or will it just be a cloudy disappointment? We're up at 6 a.m. This is wrong. This is just so wrong. The camels don't like being up at this time either. The camels like anything. Just saying. Well, greetings, everyone. Hello. Hello, everybody. Yep, this is the news. Oh, I have to remember what the lot... News, 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 news. That was next week. Listen to the news, jingle to the news. That's next week. (laughs) That's next week's news. (laughs) (laughs) That's next week's news, jingle. This is this week's news, jingle. News, 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 news. News. <laughs> what happens when you make me record stuff out of order while I'm drinking beer? You started recording. You read the notes for the wrong episode first. Ah. Don't blame me. So no one knows what we're talking about. This is some crazy in-joke where we made a recording mistake, but we're probably going to leave it in anyway. We'll see what happens with the edit. Yeah, by the time you're hearing this, we're going to be back in Bangkok. And uh, we've been loving hanging out on the beach, obviously, but rainy season is coming towards the islands down here in southern Thailand. So, um, you know, we thought we'd escape that and go up to Bangkok where the rainy season is slowly ending. I don't understand how weather works. Weather's very confusing. Yeah, I don't know. It's like about 100 kilometers apart or something, but here it'll be rainy season and Bangkok rainy season's finishing. Oh, what does that mean? Crazy. But of course, the main reason that we are going to Bangkok is to attend the TBEX Travel Blogger Conference that will be on later this week. We are going to be meeting up with some people that we've been really needing to meet up with for such a long time. We've known them online. We've worked with them in the past, and this is the first time we will actually meet them in person. Give them a shout out. Magic Travel Blog. Magic Travel Blog, for sure. Who else is going that we have? Uh, We're also going to meet Scott Eddy. Ah, Scott Eddy. The great Scott Eddy, who we interviewed back in maybe episode 10. 10 or 12. 12, or, I believe. I think it was it episode 12 of the Travel Freedom Podcast. Yeah, so people like that that we're going to be catching up with, it's pretty exciting times. I'm looking forward to it. Indeed. Before we get started with the episode, though, let's do a 
couple of quick shout outs, three in fact, for some of the companies we've been working with here in Koh Samui. Uh, the amazing Ozo Resort in Chowang. Yes, they are in the heart of the town of Chowang on one side and right on the other side is the beach. It's just right there. We had a fantastic stay with these guys. They hosted us while we had our anniversary. Oh yeah, five years together. Yeah. Not just traveling, but actually as a couple. A couple of people that are in relations. Yes, that well, that sounds awkward. That's that is awkward. Yeah, but they really focus on a good night's sleep, and that is something that we really appreciate. So, we like sleep. Yeah. So blackout curtains. Mm, nice. Oh my god! They also have noise isolating windows, as well as they really went all out with making sure that they had super comfy beds. That was good. Even the pillows were good. The most fluffy pillows I've slept on. I mean, I complain about pillows where we travel and these pillows were incredible. They were good pillows. Probably. probably yeah, top 10. Top 10. Top 10 of comfy beds and pillows from the last three years. Totally. For sure. Totally. It was such a good couple of nights sleep and they really Spoiled us rotten. They did. We got uh, a lot of free food. They, like, when you watch a TV show about food, which we do often, often yeah. they, they, often, they show it on TV. Yes, yeah, so we'll, we'll watch some TV on food after this. But you know how it is? You might, you might not, but they bring in loads and loads of dishes and we're like we can only really eat two main courses and then they bring like seven main courses and say you have to try everything on the menu well this actually happened at ozo in the restaurant there which is called stacked they're mainly a sort of american style food in thailand so it's for people who are coming on holiday an american chef chef matt he just pulled out like all these big guns and was like, you got to try this, you got to try this, you got to try this. And this is our brand new dessert. It's not even on the menu, but you got to try it. And it was like some sort of keem lime. lime key lime. Keem lime? Key lime pie, but without pie. It was just this, it was yums. It was a little mason jar that had three layers. One was a lime layer, one was like a coconut custard, and one was like a regular custardy thing or like something. A, yeah. We're but, bad at... We're not doing so good at describing things. We need to watch more Food Network. This is not on our notes. That's why we're just vamping random shit. So, anyway. Yes, they spoiled us rotten, but if you are not ready for a three-star splurge option, we stayed at the 2W Hostel on Banrak Beach in the north of Koh Samui. So, we had a private room there, which was massive, It was. It was more like a studio apartment than a room. Yeah, because it came with, like, There was benches and a sink. It had a sink. Hotel rooms often have sinks. No, but, but it, it was had more like, like a, a kitchen, kitchen sink. And it, it had, had a, a kitchen fridge, a big fridge and stuff like that. So And a giant bathroom. Actually, the bathroom was huge. huge. Which was crazy. One of the great things about staying in this particular place is that it is a real family hostel. When we first turned up, her mum was behind... The Her reception is, desk. is about 70 or something. And she didn't and speak a lot of English, no. but she knew She's, she knew who we were, but we didn't know who we were. Like, she's like, yeah, <laughs> you're, she's like, you're the Ocean View room. And we're like, I, I don't know. Is that what we're saying? And she's, yes, yeah. But I, yeah, anyway, it was very funny. She was lovely. And then we met their fabulous daughter who owns the hostel. And it was just a really friendly, welcoming experience yeah like, it really made you feel at home it's the personal thing rather than the luxury thing absolutely very much a family feel and it was a non-touristy area chowing's a little bit more touristy so if you want to like go out to bars and meet lots of other tourists then that's really cool if you want to hang out just with a couple of other backpackers next to the beach having a beer and chilling out then 2w hostel is a, a nice area to go to it's quiet if you want quiet 
that's the place to go. Totally. So, Lastly, uh, we have to give a shout out to the Thai Experience, which is a private dinner party that you can have. It's generally for about 25 people that they run almost every night, I think yeah, they do. Yeah, pretty much every night. So the concept is to introduce you to Thai street food in a clean and entertaining environment. So we had our host Richard, who actually comes from England, and he had his patter down. Oh, like, he was nailing the talk. Nailed he was just, it. He's a funny guy, and he's he's obviously well practiced. Yeah, like, they the worked really hard to make sure that their business plan works, and it's really interesting. We were very fascinated to find out because they also have a restaurant, uh, like an experience that they have in Argentina as well in Buenos Aires. So they have made sure that they're just nailing these experiences. They've only been open for a year, less than a year, and they're yeah. already number one on TripAdvisor. Yeah, it's number because one. you go there, you laugh, you eat, you learn about Thai customs, and you also drink unlimited cocktails because that's their plan. They're like, how do you get people to get along? Get them shit-faced. Everyone has a fun time. Yep. It works. Also, actually, really some of the best Thai food that we've had since being back in Thailand. Yeah, a really good fusion and uh, exciting interpretation on Thai classics. Yeah, it's actually like, it's street food plus. Yeah. So street food is great, but this is like the fancy street food. Next level. Really cool. Uh, links and photos for all that stuff is on travelfreedompodcast.com slash 057. So if you're coming to Koh Samui at any point, check out some of those places. Uh, we will talk more in depth about them in a a future Thailand episode at some point, but we just wanted to give them some shout outs because we've been having a really a cool time here on Koh Samui. So anyway, it's time to leave the uh, the food adventure behind and head on a crazy adventure through the Sahara. Dang. Dang. Yeah, so the sand dunes of the Moroccan Sahara. Well, you know, I know a lot of people say that this word is overused in the travel blog industry, well, but I don't care. It was epic. We might be using the word epic a lot, during this episode. I just can't think of any other word to describe it. It's a good word. Yes, indeed. So, riding through on a camel, through these massive dunes, it's the traditional must-do, I suppose. You can go in a 4WD, four-wheel drive aircon. Obviously, that would be more comfortable and a bit of an adventure in itself. But the camel thing, you just sort of feel that sense of being small, of being overwhelmed and absorbed by these massive sand dunes. And how people must have felt when they used to do the camel trains. Totally. So, yeah, it would have been tons of fun to do the four-wheel driving, but maybe the experience was just a little bit more memorable because we suffered. We suffered. We suffered. It was hot. And, um, well, uh, our ass and thighs definitely suffered. Oh, my God. Because we were riding camels. no amount of yoga can get you prepared for this. And uh, if you happen to be on a back camel, a rear camel, not the front one, I was downwind from this burping, farting, shitting camel train. Yep, horrible. And also they're grumpy bastards. They are, let's go to a little clip. We are riding the camels through the Sahara, surrounded by sand dunes. Sun just came up. Everything slowly turned from this deep sort of orangey brown color to more of that classic yellowy brown sand that you see in all the movies, because this really is the spot for it. Everything you've seen that you think might be just movie magic, it's actually here. Lawrence of Arabia. Did his butt hurt as much as mine does? Yes. 
Even since they filmed Lawrence Arabia, they have still not fitted camels with stirrups. So your bum will hurt. But it's worth it because the scenery is phenomenal. I don't think there's a word that could describe the Sahara better than epic. I read this article the other day that said, one term travelers need to stop using and it's epic. And it's like, well, find me a replacement for epic. Epic's epic. It's an epic word. Epic is an epic word. Yep. So I'm going to continue to use epic as much as it might piss off some of the writing community. But not every part of the Sahara is sand dunes, so you do have to choose the right places to go. And where we are in Mazuga is definitely one of the good places. Once you leave the town and you head into the dunes, you do feel completely engulfed and surrounded by them. That's a good thing, because even though there are other tourists out here, we know, because we just left the camp where we were staying with them, you don't feel like you're overrun by tourists you feel like this is your own little piece of desert it does not feel like a theme park no you do not spend the whole day running into other people you see the odd person around and then in the evening you meet up at the same camps so yes overall i'm giving the sahara a tick you may have a sore ass you may have sand in places you never knew existed you may be filthy <laughs> sweaty hot and filthy but it's worth it so yeah camel suck but it was worth it, and that's why we're talking about it today, because it was really quite an amazing adventure. Totally. So in order to get there, we had taken a 12-hour bus ride from Marrakesh to Mazuga through the Atlas Mountains, which is quite a adventure That's itself. a scenic route to take, considering you're just on a bus ride, which I, th I think was like $10 each, each way, or maybe it was $20 each, yeah, each way. Yeah, something like that. It's not like crazy expensive, considering it's a 12-hour bus ride, and you do get a few stops, and you do get to take some photos it's not the, always the best stops for photos because it's a public bus, but it's really, really scenic. But we ended up in the southeast of Morocco, which is near to the Algerian border. There's a very, very, very long border, so you have to look it up on a map. But anyway, um, the town we're going to, as you said, is called Mazuga, and the sand dunes are looming around this town. They're just like coming in from every angle, pretty much. Everywhere you look, there's a giant sand dune in the distance. It's crazy. Uh, not surprisingly, it is dusty dusty and quiet. Yeah, during the heat of the day, it's almost like a ghost town. There's just nobody around because it's stinking hot. Mm, exactly. But, uh, you know, once the night comes out, people come out and they start sitting outside of their houses and kids are riding in the streets and stuff like that. It's a very interesting place to hang out. But for this experience, we teamed up with Desert Sahara Tours. And after a little introduction by Mohammed, who we'll call uh, Mohammed One. He's one because we met him first. Yep. Uh, he owns the company and he introduced us to Mohammed Two, who was going to lead our camels. Indeed. And yeah, he took us out. We plotted through the desert for about one and a half hours away from the town, right into the dunes. And these things are big. I mean, they do move and change size. So it's like, it's not like Google Maps can really track exactly where they are at all times. The sand dunes. The sand dunes. Not the camels. The camels, Google Maps definitely can't track them because they're evil. Camels yeah. are evil. Let's not forget that. But many of these dunes are over 150 meters at some times. Say so they, they sort of shift, so it's very hard. But you do feel completely dwarfed by these epic, yes, epic, we're using the word epic throughout this episode, we're completely dwarfed by these sandy mountains. Yeah, so we, as we said, we rode them for about an hour and a half, already going, oh, this is a little. Oh, we might ouch. have to do this a lot over this the next two days. Um, but hmm. luckily, we finally arrived at our camp and moved into what was surprisingly nice. 
Netherlands. It's, it was really nice, actually. We were thinking that we'd be sleeping on the floor I totally in a thought it was going to be a couple of mats on the floor. Like, from our experiences of traveling through Mongolia, it's like, here's the tent, there's a mat on the floor, good night, don't freeze too much. But no, full double bed in a private cabin. Yeah, amazing. And then after it got dark, it was time for food. So it turned out to be a chicken tagine. It's going to be a chicken tagine. You are in Morocco and they are expecting you to be a tourist who wants to eat a chicken tagine. We've been in Morocco for six weeks already, so we'd eaten quite a few chicken tagines repeatedly. But Mohammed too actually made a really test one. He didn't do a bad job. Yeah, it was pretty good. I'll give it to him. He did a pretty good job. But it wouldn't be the full Berber experience. And these people living in the desert in this area are Berbers, not Arabs. Completely different. We'll talk about that after the clip that's coming up. But we did have to have some music, a bit of live music. That was definitely important. So let's set some atmosphere. Weave the scene with a musical soundscape. Oh, wow. Ooh. Don't don't get overexcited. It's not going to be that good. Maybe just play the clip. Okay, let's play the clip. Yeah, I feel like the guys that were playing the jangly sounding metal castanets, which are actually called the Karakib or Karakib. I don't know exactly how it's pronounced. Kind of it's spelled with a Q, quib. but I'm pretty sure the Qs are pronounced like Quite a K. Quite a quib. I think. I don't know for 100%. But um, I'm pretty sure he's playing out of time. I don't know. Maybe this guy and my Western brain are getting all mixed up and he's actually playing some amazing genius Berber polyrhythm that's just completely out of this world I that I don't get. I just had no idea. I think maybe he'd had, um, you know, he'd had a long night. Who knows? It's been a hot day. But still, yeah, as we said, Berber culture actually dates back a long way before the Arab culture got there. They've been in that part of Africa for 5,000 years, probably more. I mean, it's hard to definitely date everything. But uh, they've been around. They've been doing it. They've been making the music as well. Lots of folky music. It's not really Billboard charts material. I think you can tell that from the clip. But it's very atmospheric when you're actually there next to the campsite and there's a big group of like 12 of you and the fire's burning away it's you know it's part of the experience absolutely so sitting there watching the drum show bit of singing at the camp sitting around the campfire because the temperature drops a lot does we're like during the day it's freaking hot and then in the evening we're like Okay, they got a campfire. This is awesome. Let's sit next to that. Crowd! Crowd around the campfire! Yeah, all the stories you've heard about the desert are true. It gets really cold at night. Very cold. Which is crazy. Yeah, we couldn't really sing along with the songs. That was one of the the sad things. No, it's not like it was Kumbaya or anything. (laughs) It was fun sitting around with a big group of us, but I need to brush up on my Berber, I think. I wasn't really getting into chatting that one, singing away. But anyway, that was night one. We went off to our little cabin and slept, our little tent. The next morning we slept in because it's what we do. Yeah. We were like, no, we're not getting up. The day we had arrived had been pretty cloudy and a bit shitty for photos and stuff like that. And so... Hey, we still got some really cool photos, but we had to make them all like black and white and moody because the sky wasn't blue. Yeah, but we weren't willing to get up and risk a shitty sunrise. We've done that Based on the previous day's weather. Yeah. So we slept in. Whatever. We know we've got another sunrise coming on the next day, so we're going to just risk it, not bother getting up and sleep in, which I think was a good choice because I don't think that was a good sunrise day. But we did get up eventually, 
and then we talked random shit at the microphone, as we do. So let's play that clip. We're in our Sahara Desert hut. It is getting warm. <laughs> yeah, it's 9.30 in the morning, and we really should have got up a little bit earlier, because... Uh, it's already starting to get really hot. So we're going to be shipping out and going and finding somewhere cool to hang out during the hot hours of the day. Yeah, pretty much. Like, you can't expect your camel trek to be action all the time. It's going to be a fair bit of, like, moving when it's cool and then trying to find a, a nice place to, like, get out of the desert heat. Yeah, from, like, 10 a.m. until 4 p.m., 5 p.m. sort of time, it's like nobody wants to be out on camels. No. No. So you just kind of lay around somewhere and drink tea. Yeah. So it will not be a Lawrence of Arabia 12 hours of camel riding. It's not going to happen because that's fucking insane. Oh, that would hurt. Oh, my God. Yeah. We did an hour and a half yesterday and my butt is killing me. <laughs> yeah. Let's just say there is no way to be comfortable on a camel. <laughs> it's just not possible. And they don't have stirrups. For some reason, they've never bothered to put stirrups on them. Maybe it's because they normally carry goods rather than people. So it's not that important. Hasn't been done. So your legs just hang and eventually your ass and thighs hurt greatly. But the views and the dunes and the sand here near Mazuga is pretty amazing. Yeah. Waking up and just looking out the door of the tent to see these golden sand dunes and it's really like it is the color that you see in the movies yeah. it is that golden color and then that orange tinge yeah and then the just perfect blue skies and then there's just little hints of shrubs shrubberies shrubberies hints of shrubberies around which adds you know it adds a green contrast to it all it's really quite an interesting texture of colors and things it's really cool yep pretty certain our camel just farted <laughs> That's what they do all day. <laughs> they just fart and crap and burp and snort. They're pretty gross creatures, actually. <laughs> Still, they're saving me from walking a long way through sand. That's true. I would be getting a good calf workout if I did that. Oh, it's hard to walk up these hills. So by the time that the clouds had actually cleared... And Mohammed too was very keen to get us fed and out to the oasis. We're heading to the oasis, yeah. away from the desert. They had to take us to another place that would keep us out of the desert sun because the current camp that we were staying in just had no shelter throughout no. the day. It's just some cabins under the sand dunes. There's no shelter. The amount of heat inside those cabins by the middle of the day even with the door open, would be horrid. Yeah, so they had to take us to a, a oasis, yes. which meant another hour of butt-clenching pain. Yes. But eventually we did arrive there, and it was time to sit under this beautiful big hanging tree, and uh, we hugged a couple of ice water bottles. They just handed out these two-liter bottles of ice water. Frozen bottles, that's what I want to say. That is ice water. Yes. Frozen bottles that had been in the freezer and we were very we happy about that We snuggled them point. like it was our favorite teddy bear. Yeah, and at this point, of course, we'd ridden a lot of camels and we'd eaten a lot of tagine and we'd been eating that for a while and we're really excited to find out for lunch we weren't getting tagine. We were actually going to be getting Berber pizza. Yay, which pizza! Would, which would be cooked by the chef of the day, which we're going to call Mohammed Three because we're not quite sure what his name is. So far, everyone's been called Mohammed. I'm pretty certain he might have been another Mohammed. He might have been called Mohammed. And so... While the food was on the go, Mohammed One, from all the way back at the beginning of the story, arrived on his ATV. And so the whole Mohammed trio were all together for the first time. 
The universe did not explode. They didn't even perform a musical number, which was a little bit disappointing. But it was time for lunch, so I was happy enough with that. Let's play a little bit of a clip, because the burger pizza is very cool, very tasty food. So we're now way out, about three hours camel ride from the main town of Mazuga, and we're about to have lunch. Just sitting under some trees. Well, really, it's well, really, it's just one, one big tree. tree, just with sand dunes behind us. It's giant orange sand dunes behind us, rising maybe I don't know, 100 meters, something like that. They are, you know, pretty big. I'm not kidding. The things you see in the movies are true. And yeah, there's just tiny, tiny little oasis spot. Like around us, it's just scrubland and sand. But this one massive tree and they've just set up some rugs and a couple of little stools underneath it. And the difference when you walk out from under the tree into the sun, wow. <laughs> it is so much hotter out there than this. I'm so glad they made us Berber pizza. That's awesome. Yeah, this is a completely different food experience from what I was expecting. No, we're so used to eating tagines and couscous to have actual Berber pizza is very special and made on hot coals. That's gonna make it taste awesome. And the Berber pizza is about to come out. It was laid, he made like a bed of coals, he flattened them out and then he's put this sort of, it's almost like a calzone, sort of a flat pizza that he's filled with meat and vegetable and a bit of rice and spices and it's just coming out of his little barbecue oven and he's made on the sand here. There's no cheese. <laughs> <laughs> no, not out here. But I'm sure it's gonna be super tasty. Oh, it smells great. Good smells. Yeah, so it's just got that perfect sort of gray, brown bread skin. It's nicely barbecued. And the inside of the bread just mm. looks really fluffy. You wanna try some? Yes. Yep, nice crispy outside skin. And there you go, this is the easy way to make a pizza in the desert. Okay, good appetit. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Chakra. Mm. Mm. So a Moroccan spiced calzone style pizza. And this was filled with turkey and other sort of goodies. It was one of those dishes you just we couldn't stop eating it. We did eat a lot. I mean, even it was though it didn't massive. have cheese, even without cheese, how the hell could we eat a pizza? Can you imagine cheese? how much better it would have been with cheese, oh. but it was really awesome without cheese. It was still pretty good. Yeah, we also got some Berber whiskey, and I don't want to build any false hopes for people who haven't been to Morocco. Berber it's, whiskey is mint tea. It's a big joke. They think it's hilarious. Oh, they laugh every time they tell a foreigner, like, "Oh, you want Berber whiskey?" And our faces <laughs> light up. Like, yes. They light up like a child on Christmas Day, and then they're like, ah oh, ha ha, it's tea. <laughs> and then you're so gutted. Zero alcohol. Gutted. Just like the day when your parents told you there was no Santa Claus. Yes, pretty much. But uh, if prepared well, with plenty of sugar, it's actually really good. Like, when we've had good mint tea, it's been freaking great. Actually, yeah, it's, I miss it even now. Like, yeah. it's really good tea. It's like, sometimes they don't do it so well. If they put it together cheap, it's not good. But good ones are great. But it ain't whiskey. No, it's not. Uh, it's actually a bit of an insult to Jack, Jim, and the Glen Fiddick fella. Scottish guys, American guys. It's very insulting to them, mm. I think. Shouldn't call it whiskey. And there might be a trademark problem Makes there. Who knows? Makes it sad. Makes it sad. Makes me very sad. But we did hang out there all day. Eventually, the heat of the day did start to subside. And it was time to jump back on those damn camels. Oh, grumpy bastards. Plow back towards our overnight camp. 
But um, actually, it was really quite interesting because as the sand whipped around us, the skies actually started to clear and it turned out to be the perfect opportunity for a photo shoot. It had finally arrived the time to get the pictures that we needed. Yeah, Muhammad too agreed to participate as well. So we literally got some of the best photos we've taken this year. He did a lot of like looking into the distance yeah. and pointing and he was used to posing he'd done this before. he'd done some photos before yeah but uh, he was in full berber dress and he had his two cantankerous camels fighting the wind and burping and farting away as they do yeah the photos went so well we got so many good photos within that like 30 minute segment and we even got featured on intrepid travels instagram they shared one of our photos on there because they're like oh yes that's an adventure photo that's very cool so, yeah, take a look at a couple of the photos on the show notes, actually, travelfreedompodcast.com slash 057 for this episode. We'll stick a few photos on there, or you can even head onto $5 Traveler and search for Morocco, and you'll find a few articles that we wrote about that. I'll stick those links in the show notes as well, so you can check out all those photos, because we did get some real good ones. Yeah. All right. I think it's story corner time. Arabic story corner? Is, um, that, what you, is that what you're going to do? I don't know if I can do Arabic story corner. So I might have to just default to a classic sort of the original story corner camp Welsh, <laughs> which seems to be my, that's my default story corner. That's what everything kind of sounds like anyway. Oh, hello, it's camp story corner. It's not even Welsh. I don't no. know what it was. I don't, know. I don't even know why you're still sticking to the accents. I, d- I don't know either. I just... I just thought it was going to be a thing. <laughs> Someone tweeted the other day, like, loving Angry Scotsman. Oh, they did. They're Hashtag encouraging Angry you. Scotsman. They're and I was like, you. cool, you know, everyone's loving story corner accents. And then, like, 200 people stopped listening to the show because I insult Germany or something. I don't know what's going on. I've been, I try. <laughs> I try really hard. Anyway, okay, what is today's story corner? Well, in story corner. No? So no. I should give up, all right. Give up. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of skiing. I thought I'd just throw that in during a desert episode. But uh, actually, there is a connection here because we decided we'd arranged to do sandboarding whilst we were in the Sahara. Oh, I thought it sounded super cool. Yeah, and I'd always wanted to do this since I was like a kid because I used to go skiing as a kid and I was like, then I saw a photo of someone going sandboarding in the desert. It's like, shit, that is amazing. One day I'll do that. And finally, in my 30s, I was like, I can finally do this. But then the boards turned up and there were no boots provided. So I was expected to sandboard in flip-flops. That's yeah. uh, that's an interesting option. We were pretty surprised because if you've ever been snowboarding, I mean, I've never even been snowboarding. And I know that you naturally, because it had like the boot holders, like the straps. Where I put my flip-flops. Yeah, but there were no boots to go into the boot holders. You just had to stick your feet in, well, in what we were wearing, which was flip-flops. The guy at the camp was a little bit surprised. It wasn't Mohammed 1, 2, or 3. It was just some other guy. No, some other random dude. And he was like, what do you mean? Just We were like, where's the boots? He's like, what boots? We don't have boots. No, you just, you just, go go really high. Go really high and you'll go go down. We're like, yeah, we'll go down and break our ankle. Die. So, yeah, if you've ever been snowboarding, you would expect your feet to fit very snugly into the grips so that you will not have this ankle death. I can confirm that sandboarding in flip-flops is not a good choice. I'm an experienced skier, I'm not particularly a snowboarder, I've never actually snowboarded properly before, but I figured, well, you know, like, it's not the same, but it's at least ballpark similar, so I'm going to give it a go because I've always wanted to do it. But 
No, it's probably a bit of a non-starter in flip-flops. No instructor, very first time doing it, not going to happen. I went down on my butt. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I was like, I'm not doing this. I went down on my butt. Using the sandboard as a sledge was actually the most fun part of using the sandboard. Also, it turns out that the sand is a little bit more friction than snow. Just just a smidgen of like completely more friction than snow. So... (laughs) About 45 minutes into this crazy experience of me just trying to jump up and down on the board to make it move, uh, I was like, that's probably it for me. Um, But we decided we would salvage this situation. This is the story here. This is the story. Apart from the fact that sandboarding is insane and ridiculous. But the story is we took a whole bunch of photos and they all make it look like I'm shooting down the slope on a sandboard. Yeah, we become those bloggers. We're those Instagram people that it's like, look, I'm like sitting on like a desert beach and it's like really just like your screensaver. (laughs) Yeah. So we got some awesome shots because the wind was whipping up the dune and so even the sand was like going up the sides of the sandboard. All of my clothes were billowing it really looked like I was going fast down the dune, but actually I was completely stationary. (laughs) We got a couple of really cool photos. I don't think we've tried to pretend to anyone that they were definitely real, but we were like, we did sandboarding and it looks cool, but we didn't really go anywhere. Complete disaster. So we quit. We were like, I'm not walking up these bloody sand dunes anymore to not slide down them properly. Let's go back for some non-alcoholic baba whiskey. Yes. That said... Uh, if I was a confident snowboarder or a sandboarder who wasn't wearing flip-flops, I would have gone up one of the steep hills. And we did see a few people actually coming down the really big dune, the one behind us that's the like the 150-meter dune. They were full on just going for it, and they were actually moving. So if I had been willing to risk the loss of my ankles, I probably could have got somewhere. But I didn't think nah. it was really worth the risk. So, uh, yeah, I value the use of my legs. So, yeah. Our suggestion is if you do have a secondary activity that you can book beyond your camel riding, maybe choose ATVing, motorbiking. The ATV looked like a lot of fun. That did look like Because they had full roll cages on the ATVs. So if you did manage to roll it over, which you probably would if you didn't know what you're doing, you would probably survive quite nicely. Whereas the motorbike guys, of which we saw a lot zipping around, if you're not an experienced motorbike guy going in sand like that, you might kill yourself. Totally. So, uh, yeah, that was our uh, sandboarding fiasco. Which was fun. And we uh, settled in for another night in the cabin, and we were hoping that the next morning would produce a perfect sunrise. Yeah. So, were we going to be disappointed? Well, I guess we're going to find out. Let's listen to the clip of us being just about as grumpy as a camel as we tried to get out of bed at 6 a.m. We're up at 6 a.m. We're never up at 6 a.m. This is wrong. This is just so wrong. But once again, we've been told that getting up for sunrise is the thing to do. It better be good. (laughs) It's never been good. We don't have a good running luck with sunrises. Generally, they've been pretty piss average. But we are up. We're about to go get some breakfast. Is that a camel? Is that a camel? Someone. The camels don't like being up at this time either. The camels like anything. Just saying. It's surprisingly cold. Yeah, it does get cold in the desert. Bring a jumper, people. We did. (laughs) We're sorted. Okay, breakfast time and then we'll uh, report back. 
on the actions of the sunrise. Well, in that clip, we promised that we would then podcast from the sunrise once we got up the hill. And we didn't. We didn't get to do it. But the reason we didn't get to do it was because it was the best damn sunrise we've ever experienced ever. Ever. Yeah. It just... We were so in awe of just watching it and taking photos of it. We completely forgot to do anything else. Yeah, it's crazy. I'll try and explain it to you. You really have to go on the show notes and check out the photos because it's just the way the sand changes. Over the space of like 20 minutes, it goes from being... Well, it starts off as this deep, dark red, really, really dark color. And then as the first glimmers of the light appear over the horizon, it slowly starts to change. The This perfect red ball of light slips up from the horizon and... You see the sand going from the deep red to this light sort of browny red, this sort of yellowish brown, and eventually becoming like your standard yellowy sand color. But I think the most interesting effect that we were seeing when we were taking photos is how the sand became like glass. It was really, it just didn't expect it, really stunning. It just had this glassy stage a little bit before the sun had really come up, before it had gone to the yellow color of sand. It's just brownie glass and all of the ripples on the sand actually looked like it was just a lake yeah the ripples is probably what made it look yeah. water-like because stationary ripples yeah. it, was just, it was really weird it was perfect and of course the weather was good we were lucky it was we got a up perfect and it was good. day it was actually something really worth getting up for even with our sore camel butts even though like we previously had bad experiences with sunrises, this just made it all worthwhile. Yeah. And I'd say the moral of this entire adventure is it's going to be arduous, but it's going to be totally worth it. From that 12-hour bus ride just to get there to the hours of bumpy bum pain and complaining camel time. They are grumpy bastards. Just, oh, when you try to get off a camel and they make the camel oh sit down, God. it almost throws you over Head the camel. Head first into the sand. God, they're like, oh, I've got to sit down. And, oh, and I've got then, to lay down. Also, if the camel stumbles while walking over the sand dunes, you're like, it's going to roll on me. It's going to oh, fall and roll on me. God, camels are terrible. But yeah, I don't normally recommend getting out of bed, but on this no. occasion. <laughs> We're like, sleep in. Get yeah. as much sleep in that comfy Oh, so bad as possible. Just stay in bed all day. That's okay. You can do that. Yeah, but this on this time occasion, yep, get out, get out of bed, do it. So thanks again to Desert Sahara Tours and the three Muhammads, who we are still waiting for them to send us a YouTube video of them doing a musical number. <laughs> uh, one day, happen. one day, yeah. maybe it'll happen. Okay, it's the end of the show. Yes, it is travel homework time, and it goes without saying that you should visit the dunes of the Sahara Desert. Go. Yeah. Off you go. Now. Head to Mizuga. Pack your bags. Make it happen. Yeah. But, uh, you know, let's do something a little bit less tricky, something with less planning, something a little oh, bit more interesting. Right. We want to hear some stuff from you guys. Yes, we do. So we want you to tweet us or leave us a comment on the show notes about what the most difficult journey you've ever gone on was. Yeah. And what made it 100% worth every moment that you were there. Yeah. Like, what are the best bits? So the hardest journey that you've ever been on and what made it so much more worth it. See, hindsight is a good thing. Yeah. You can hate every second of a moment 
that you're in, but then when you look back on it, you're like, but actually this happened and that was pretty freaking cool. Totally. So tweet us at my travel freedom or jump on the show notes at travelfreedompodcast.com slash zero five seven and leave us a comment. Thanks for listening to the Travel Freedom Podcast. Show notes and resources for this episode are waiting for you at travelfreedompodcast.com. Join us again every Monday to learn how to supercharge your online income and travel like a prince on a pauper's budget. We are waiting for your comments and feedback, so tweet us at MyTravelFreedom. Or email info at travelfreedompodcast.com. I'm Tomo. And I'm Megzi. Catch us again every Monday on the Travel Freedom Podcast. Bye for now. Bye.